1: hiring is challenging and it used to be hard multiple job sites stacks of resumes a confusing review process but today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done zip recruiter In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
2: War Eagle, everybody. Welcome to Tiger Talk. I'm Taylor Davis, back with you, as always, with Jason Campbell. And you know, the regular season has come and gone, which is crazy. I feel like it flew by, but it is officially postseason. So we don't have a game to recap, but we've got plenty of storylines today. A lot happening during a time of season that's usually kind of quiet so we're going to talk all about those and then stay tuned until the end we have former auburn wide receiver courtney taylor joining us to talk all about auburn season so it's going to be a great episode we're excited you have joined us again jason how's your week going my guy
3: well taylor i must say my week is going pretty good it's sunny outside and (laughs) it's uh not a cloud in the sky but i will say this though I'm drinking hot tea, honey, and lemon because there's something going around, and I'm all about trying to prevent something. So I'm vitamin myself up, emergency C, whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm just trying to take take all the precautionary things that I would do. Yeah, measures. So you're smart. Hey, I'm just trying. That's all. <laughs> I'm just trying.
2: I should follow your lead because I'm feeling a bit under the weather myself. It's that time of the season where. I've been on one too many airplanes, you know, and my immune system just starts to fight me a little bit. Plus, it's cold here today. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, which even though it's, quote, north, it's really pretty southern. So I really shouldn't complain about the cold. But if I have to use an ice scraper on my car in the morning, that means it's too cold for me.
3: No, I'm glad I moved out of that environment. I used to live live in D.C. and I remember the first time it snowed so bad. I had to go out and show my own driveway. And I was, had so much back pain the next day, I could hardly get out of bed. <laughs> I was like, gosh, I was like, what's wrong with me? I was like, great. Hey, hey.
2: That's worse than a workout.
3: Right, so then after that, I started seeing these little kids <laughs> in the neighborhood. I said, hey, guys, I'll I take care of you. Come over here and show my driveway for me. Every time you see it, you see it snow. Yeah. They say, Any <laughs> anytime you see it snow, anytime you see it snow, just knock on my door. It could be just a light snow. And them jokes come knock on the door. Hey, we're going to shove the driveway. You. I said, God, there's, no, there's not enough snow on the ground to be shoving the driveway.
2: They took you up on that one. <laughs>
3: they just want to get some money. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we're powering through today. We are going to talk all about, I mean, goodness gracious, we have such a wide range of things to talk about today, but we're going to cover the bowl placement, the new hire on the planes, which, spoiler alert, I am super pumped about. Want to talk about the playoff, <laughs> the coaching changes in the SEC. We're going to cover it all. all right. We've got a lot of ground to cover. But before we dive in, I want to talk to you guys about something very important, and that is sleep. We all love sleep. Am I right, Jason? I know I love
3: sleep. I like sleeping and eating.
2: <laughs> Two very <laughs> important things. And listen, we all know sleep is crucial because it has a direct impact on On your productivity, your mood, if you're an athlete, it affects your performance. We all need at least eight hours of sleep a night, but that's not always the easiest thing to do. If you're somebody that struggles with sleep, we may have a solution for you. One of sleep's biggest problems, a lot of people say, is temperature. It's tough to get a good night's sleep if you're too hot or too cold. So the answer for that, my friends, is the pod by eight sleep. The pod is a high tech bed designed specifically for you to achieve optimal sleep fitness. It was developed by leading sleep researchers after tracking 43 million hours of sleep, so they know their stuff. It combines dynamic temperature regulation and sleep tracking to enhance your rest and recovery. It learns your sleep habits and adjusts the temperature automatically. Sleep longer and deeper so you wake up refreshed and ready to take on the world. Try the pod for 100 nights, and if you don't love it, they're going to refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup, so they're making it super easy for you. They already sold out of their first two batches, so clearly they're going really fast, but we wanted to make sure our listeners knew for a limited time, you're going to get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash pro that's the number eight spelled out e-i-g-h-t sleep.com slash pro so if you're struggling with sleep go ahead and try it it's the holiday season treat yourself with a good night's sleep get 150 off if you go to eight sleep.com slash pro enjoy all right let's get into some of these storylines now let's start with the bowl game so the final rankings and bowl matchups have come out now that the regular season is over and the Tigers will be heading to the Outback Bowl to play Minnesota. Now, we've talked about this this season, that the college football playoff has certainly had an implication on bowl games. Do they matter? Can players really get as hype for these? And honestly, some Auburn players expressed some dissatisfaction with this. They really felt that they should have been ranked higher after beating Alabama were you surprised by this decision, Jason, or or do you think this is where they should have landed? I
3: think uh, this was, this was kind of, I, I want to say it was kind of in one of those bowl things where everyone thought, like, I, I think we mentioned in the last show that the Citrus Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the Capital One Bowl, and then we had a hair of a chance. We might've had a chance to get like into the Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl. And, I think, you know, for our kids, like Auburn played LSU the closest out of anyone all season. Yes, Alabama played them close, but we beat Alabama. We beat Alabama and we played LSU all the way down to three points in in Death Valley. And for us, I think that tells that we're a real top 10 team. And, you know, I think our kids feel like no matter just because, yes, Georgia came and beat us in Auburn. But who's playing better football right now? If you had to answer that question, I would say Auburn has played better football because the way that we showed up in the fourth quarter against Georgia and then how we played against Alabama, and then you see how Georgia played against LSU, and I was at that game for the SEC championship, it wasn't even close. Like, it wasn't even close. So, you know, it's one of those things like, yes, Georgia made it to the SEC championship, but a little bit of it is by default. And the reason I say that out of respect, I say it because – there was only one team they competed against in the East and that was Florida. And, and Florida is still on the up and coming, which is going to get Georgia some run for their, for the East over the next couple of years. But at the same time, the West is just so full and we beat each other up. I feel like Auburn should have at least been like, you know, maybe a little bit better than the Outback Bowl and uh, opportunity, but, you know, but the kids play hard and you can only, you know, play what you've been given. And they've given us a game against Minnesota, who is no slouch. Minnesota's a very good football team. And uh, so we have to get our minds prepared and ready to play if we want to walk away with a 10-win season.
2: That's the thing when people talk about, oh, a team that was aiming for the playoff can't possibly get as motivated for bowl games these days. I mean, even a few years back after we beat Georgia and Alabama at home and then went to play the SEC championship and lost to Georgia. So we were out of the playoff and we went to the Peach Bowl to play UCF and everyone's attitude was oh, they're not even playing their best ball because they don't want to be here. I think that's a loser mentality, personally, and I think that's insulting to your school. If the players actually take on that attitude, because what's more embarrassing than not making it to the playoff is losing a bowl game that should have been a guaranteed win. So when players take the field, they should want to represent their university well and finish their season on a high note because with a win in this bowl game, We'll have a 10-win season, and those are reputable. I know a lot of people have a hard time keeping it in perspective if you're not in the top four and don't get a shot at the playoff. Your season wasn't a waste. Look at last year when we dominated Purdue in the Music City Bowl. It sent everybody into this season with some momentum. So there's absolutely value to these bowl games, and I think everyone just has to adjust around the fact that Yes, we all want to be in the playoff, and it's disappointing to see another season go by without achieving that. But you dang sure want that bowl win. Don't go into it thinking, what's the point?
3: Right, and you're exactly right, Taylor. My whole thing is when we played bowl games when I was in college is you want to end the note on a high. That means you want to go into the off season, training, workouts, feeling good about what you're doing and what you're building. And a few years ago, yes, we lost the ACC championship game to Georgia. And I and the reason was I think a lot of people was was making a little hay about that back then was because we had just played in the in the Mercedes benz Stadium that the guys were going right back to where they just came from. And I feel like they was feeling like, hey, if we'd went the to the Orange Bowl or something that year and played against Michigan or or Ohio State or something that year, it'd have made a little bit more of an exciting task for them because they would have felt like we we're playing a superior opponent. But when we had to play UCL central florida okay the guy they was undefeated but for us that was kind of like oh man you know we play playing central florida it's kind of like who we play in a regular season game in between know our big games and that's how they was looking at it when you think about it from 18 year olds to 22 year olds you know that from our mindset and the coach's mindset we're like hey these guys can good they can play you know they're ranked high for a reason but when you put yourself in an 18 22 year old you want to be playing somebody like Michigan, Ohio State, uh, you know Florida State or somebody at that time, you know back back when they was pretty good, you know because it makes you get up for that game because that's a big game. You know everyone's watching. And UCF, I give them credit, they played their butts off that year, but Auburn did not even play close to their best game because half our guys was already checked out mentally. But at the same time, I think this Outback Bowl. The kids got to take it more serious, which I think they will. And like you said, it's really not on the kids. It's us for us to show up and support the kids from a fan standpoint, get these kids motivated. Because winning a 10-game season in the in the schedule that we had this year, will say a lot about this football team and a lot about this coaching staff going into recruiting. So it's a lot still riding on this. I can understand from a Derek Brown or a Marlon Davidson standpoint, they say, hey, guys, you know, we're giving it our best this year. We laid it all out there, and you no, know, we may want to have to skip this game just because our NFL draft is right around the corner. And, you know, you will understand that from them, you know what I'm saying, because we're not playing in the playoffs. And, of course, you know they want to play with us, but they also got to look out for them and their families at this standpoint moving forward. And I still think we could win the Minnesota game if they still made that decision because we got to see what we have behind them. And there are some caliber guys that can still go out and play that game.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Obviously, you know, some of these guys are weighing if they're going to play or not, and if it's worth that risk. And look, I understand either way. I mean, there's talk every bowl season about, is that respectable for these guys to not finish it out with their team? But listen, to each their own, they are on the cusp of their future. And if they don't want to take the chance of messing that up for a bowl game, that's their decision. I totally respect the guys that opt not to, especially if they have anything that's nagging them. Like, they do not want to be aggravating it at this point. Back to what you were saying about the mentality, I agree with you. Often, you know, we forget these are 18 to 22-year-old kids. I mean, when they're out on the field, we view them as grown men, but they're they're in the process of growing and maturing. And these are all learning experiences for them. I'm I'm sure some of the guys in that peach bowl against UCF could tell you, Hey, I approached that thing the wrong way. And I regret the mentality I had in that one, because it's still a blessing to get to play in a bowl game of that magnitude, but it's, I guess a bit of mental warfare. And honestly, that's a lot on the coaches to get the guys to buy in and see the value in it. So I'm hopeful they get up for this one because I think it could certainly make a statement. I mean, everyone feels like the Iron Bowl really made a statement just about the talent of this team in spite of the three losses this season. A win against Minnesota would make that statement too. Listen, Minnesota is a program headed in the right direction. This is going to be a tough game. P.J. Fleck is a phenomenal head coach, and they've established the culture there, and that is a culture that expects to win ball games.
3: Oh, yeah. And you definitely want want to finish playing back-to-back games really well. And, you know, you finish the Alabama game. Then you want to head to the bowl game and finish the season out the same way that you did the Alabama game. And Minnesota's coming to this thing looking at like, okay, here's one of the SEC big dogs, you know, one of the top three teams in the SEC. Okay, we're coming in. We feel like as a Minnesota team, we had a really great year. We got knocked off by a really good team kind of late. Because at one point, they was ranked in the top ten. They're very respected. And they're coming from cold weather to warm weather, and so you best believe those kids are gonna be a little bit excited about having the opportunity to go to Florida. But they looking at Auburn saying we get a chance to play against Auburn, and so their coach, he's probably in the locker room telling those guys each and every day at practice, guys. Auburn has gone to, they've gone to two national championship games within this this decade, and since 2010, with 2010, with 2013. So they're saying like. And it was at one point we was ranked up there this year when the opportunity considered as a playoff team, as well. And so he's saying LSU was playing in the playoffs. Auburn got defeated by three points by them, so they're close. So if we ever want to see where we're at as a football team to reach a playoff type football team, guys, this is how we measure it. We measure against a team like Auburn with all the guys that they have and the coaching staff that they have. So. We need to approach this game so we can measure ourselves to build our program to get to this level.
2: They just need to bring the same intensity that they brought to the Iron Bowl. That felt like a postseason game. And against a team like Minnesota, they're going to have to play like that.
3: I say this, the Iron Bowl, I went to the SEC championship game. The Iron Bowl had more intensity in it than in the SEC championship game this weekend between LSU and Georgia. I believe it. I look forward to, to seeing this bowl game and against a really good quality opponent because Auburn's a well respected football program across the nation. UCF beat us in the in the during bowl game and they thought they was national champs yeah. because they beat us. Uh-oh. They had
2: a dang parade. Right. Stop it. So- <laughs> And honestly, I'll appreciate seeing another good game to end the season. Like, yeah, the bowl win last year was good, and it got everybody hype. That was also the first time Gus was back in the play-calling seat, so it got everyone excited about what the next season would be. But at the end of the day, was Purdue much of a test? No. So – I look forward to another real test and an out-of-conference test because we don't get to see those often enough. I mean, that makes postseason really exciting. And really, it's an exciting time in all sports. I mean, sophomore sensation, Lamar Jackson – is redefining what it means to be a dual-threat quarterback. Jason, I'm sure you love watching this guy. Odds on Jackson to win the MVP race were at 50-1 to to begin the season and have plummeted since, making my bookies' prop selection more attractive than ever. Then on the 14th, we have one of the most stacked UFC cards in a long time. Three championship fights, all highly anticipated, right in the betting capital of the world, Las Vegas. Without a doubt, people are going to be looking to get in on the action, and we have the best place for you to go. My bookie. If you're the kind of person who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. So if you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. I'm not making this up, people. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that is promo BLV, which is abbreviation of our podcast network believe in case you didn't get that so use that promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie bet win and get paid okay so let's talk about the other big news coming out of Auburn in the past week and I could not be more excited for this one Chad Morris has officially been hired as the offensive coordinator Chad Morris was the head coach at Arkansas, obviously a very disappointing season for them. So Mm -hmm. he was fired there. But before that, this guy has a lot of experience. He was the offensive coordinator at Clemson, had a great career there. He also has a lot of history with Gus. They have a great relationship. And I mean, with Chad Morris and Kevin Steele, I would argue that is the best coordinator combo in the country.
3: Yeah, you're exactly right. If uh, you know, not to mention this, but I have to mention it. You know, LSU brought in Joe Brady this year. You know, Steve Isominger is a really good coach, really solid coach, but you know, they still went out of got it to, to bring in, you know, someone to help help coordinate the passing game a little bit more, develop it just a little bit more and, you know, it's kudos to to Iserminger, who was my coach, my junior senior year at Auburn uh you know for accepting that and I feel like this is a step in the right direction for Gus and that's the reason I bring it up cuz that I mean now that Gus is starting to look at football and starting to look at things a little bit differently and say hey you know what maybe I should go out and get someone that I kind of know and trust to run my system but maybe able to add a few more pointers and a few more more detailed things to our offense to make us really explosive and uh and everything and a guy that has the pedigree so he went out and got Chad Morris and there was other people fighting for Chad Morris. I had to do a, a interview yesterday uh, with, with Texas Longhorns and they was crushed that they didn't get Chad Morris because they was wanting them. They was wrong them so bad. they was crushed. So, and the reason is he's such a good coach, but he's an awesome recruiter. Like he brought in Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. He brought in Taj Boyd, uh, you know, for Clemson and you know what those two quarterbacks helped do for that program. So, you know he's gonna be out recruiting some top QBs, and then if I'm if I'm Bo Nitz, my my head just jumped through the ceiling because <laughs> here's a guy that has coached a, a first rounder in Deshaun Watson. He's coached Taj Boyd, who played in the NFL for a little bit, but the guy knows what he's doing. He's 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 very detailed. He creates explosive plays, and everyone see Clemson still runs that same kind of offense, and we see what it's done for Trevor Lawrence. So. All the guys should now should be geek. And guess what? Some of those recruits that was kind of borderline may go here, may come to Auburn. This may have just pushed them a little bit over to come to Auburn. So I wouldn't be surprised if we jumped from like the seventh that they got us rated right now for his commitments to maybe like number four by the time February comes. So I'm excited about Chad Morris. Can't wait to meet him, talk to him. Uh, you know, and kudos to, to Gus for, for going out and getting this guy and, and making it happen. There's gonna be some real battles in the spring and the summer between our offense and defenses. That's what that's what you want. That what happened to us in 04. Al Borders came in and he was dynamic. And him and Chizit had back and forth every day in practice of creating situational situational game plan drills for us to go against. So it made us it made all of us better. And I'm excited about this.
2: I am too. And listen there are some coaches out there that are kind of known for developing quarterbacks, like the quarterback whisperers they like to call them. And I would put Chad Morris in that list. He's, he's one of those guys. So if you've been unsure about Bo Nix and even in his moments of greatness, like you still aren't sure if he's going to be the guy that can lead Auburn to the playoff or the national championship and I think we're going to find out that answer with Chad Morris. He's going to be the guy that can get Bo's full potential out of him. And there have been a lot of conversations during Gus Malzon's tenure at Auburn that maybe he's not the guy to develop quarterbacks. I mean, when you think about when he's had the most success, even as an offensive coordinator, it's been with quarterbacks that came in primed to play already. You know, the, the Cam Newtons and the Nick Marshalls, they didn't need a lot of molding. You know what I mean? I think he's done a good job with Bo Nix, but he's certainly not at the level we need him to be at. There was talk about the Joey Gatewood situation. Was that mismanaged? In my opinion, yes. I don't put that all on Gus, but you bring in a guy like Chad Morris who has had success doing just that. The reality is you will not be a top contender in the SEC without a dynamic quarterback. Really, that's the case across the country, and you see the proof of that in the playoff this year. Oh, like. Yeah. The top four teams have the top four quarterbacks in the country. Joe Burrow, Mm -hmm. Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Jalen Hurts. It's a quarterback game. like Jason, you know that all too well. And it's certainly going to be the case in this offensive scheme at Auburn. So for Bo, a young quarterback with a year under his belt now, but still eager to learn and adjust, I think Chad Morris could be the missing puzzle piece. And for Gus – he has been trying to find the right balance to fit his offensive mind and his role as head coach, because that is so much for one person to handle. Like, I think he went to the opposite end of the spectrum when he completely handed the reins over to chip Lindsay. And we saw that that just didn't work for who he is as a coach, but then we saw him take on all the responsibility. He was essentially the offensive coordinator without straight up saying he was, And that didn't seem to work either. So this might be the happy medium. He trusts Chad Morris, but this isn't a guy that's going to come in and try and step on Gus's toes. Like they're very much going to work together.
3: Yeah. Chad and uh, Gus are are friends. Uh, You know, they both come from the high school uh, systems where they both started out at and that's how they developed their friendship. And they both ended up at at the ranks of college level that they're at now. So, you know, they definitely will coexist. They definitely will understand each other and, And, you know, to get back to with with Gus, you know, Gus had Cam and Nick Marshall. Both of those guys, like you said, came in in the middle of their college careers, you know, so they were already already ready. Now, when you talk about and Stidham had already played in a college year at Baylor and everything. So he had already had experience. So when I think about the guys he's had, uh, you know, he had Chris Todd. He had um, Jeremy Johnson and then she had Sean White. And the thing is, what did all those guys have in common? none of those guys were runners. They was all drop-back passers. And this is the first time he's actually had a kid like Bo Nitz. And like you say, he went out and recruited Joy Gatewood that both came in as freshmen that was a runner and a thrower. And this is what fits his system. And it's hard for his system to fit Jeremy and Sean and Chris Ty. You know, Chris Ty broke some records with the system. It has to be a dual threat quarterback. If you look at at Deshaun Watson, and you look at, uh, like you said, Lamar Jackson. Those guys are runners and throwers, and they come from those systems in college, and the NFL has incorporated that system around them so they can continue to use their ability. Why? Because it causes so much confusion for the defense, and it causes so much pressure. It puts so much pressure on the defense because you got to keep your eyes open all times for who's got the ball. And now you add Chad Morris to this, Confidence is everything. and everything you do, you got to have confidence. You don't have confidence, there's no chance. And with Chad Morris coming in, guess who else gets confidence? Everybody in the locker room gets confidence, even the defense, because they know this guy coached at Clemson. Forget what he did at Arkansas. He was a head coach, so that was different. And Arkansas don't have the same type of players and everything that we have right now. You take him and put him with that Clemson team, and then you put him now with Auburn, man, your antennas just flew up. Like, like like, the whole team, because nothing against Gus, but it's hard, like you said, it's hard to be a head coach, offense coordinator at the same time because you people are pulling at you, hey, you got to come speak at this event. You got to come do a radio show at this event. You got to come, you know, be CEO over the whole team. You got to go talk to the special team coach, talk to the defense coach, and then you got to come in there and input plays for yourself. When do you have enough time to sit down and really diagram to put in the system that you want when you have a CEO over so many other things. And so for him to go do that and get Chad Morris, it's going to help Gus because it's going to release a little bit of that, that pressure and that stress off of him.
2: Right. I do want to get your perspective on some of the coaching changes in the SEC. There's been so much shuffling, but some of them make a lot of sense and some, you know, remain to be seen. So Matt Luke was fired from Ole Miss He is now the O-line coach at Georgia because Sam Pittman, who was the O-line coach at Georgia, was hired by Arkansas to be their new head coach after firing Chad Morris, who is now the Auburn offensive coordinator. I need like a Venn diagram for this. Goodness. Barry Odom was fired from Missouri and Eli Drinkwitz was hired, who is from App State. His career trajectory is very interesting to me. I think that's that's going to be an interesting storyline next season. And then, of course, Lane Kiffin's return to the SEC as the head coach at Ole Miss. I got to be honest, I'm really unsure about this one. I think it's disappointing. Look, I, I spoke on it earlier this season. I covered two of Ole Miss's games this season. And this is a program that had to fight through so much off-the-field crap from the Hugh Freeze situation and scholarships were diminished, and they had a postseason ban. Like their recruiting really took a hit. But Matt Luke is a guy that just encapsulated Ole Miss. He played there, his family has long ties to Ole Miss. This was I mean, he told me this was a dream job for him. And you almost needed somebody with that that heart for the school during that time to to kind of keep everyone's spirits lifted. But that time has now come and gone that the ban is lifted. They're, they're getting back into the swing of things and, and he wasn't the guy to pull them into that next phase. I don't undermine what he did because that was a very difficult time for him to take over. It was a difficult time for anyone to take over and, and he did what he could, but this is a team that's over 80% of their offensive production. This season came from underclassmen. So they have a foundation laid. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I think the egg bowl was what did it. Uh, that was disgusting. And it was a clear indication of a disciplinary problem at Ole Miss. But do you really think Lane Kiffin is the guy to fix that?
3: Well, let's break down Lane and then we'll move through the SEC real quick. Lane Lane Kiffin was hired because Hugh Freeze had so much success at Ole Miss running that similar style system. And because Lane Kiffin has been in the SEC. Ole Miss felt the need to go out and get some younger energy and they feel like Lane is hungrier now than he were when he was at Tennessee and he was at USC because he ended up going to Alabama under Saban. And then he went to FAU and had really good success. So now they feel like he's seasoned. He's more veteran. He's still a young guy. He can bring a lot more energy to our program and he's a really great recruiter. So, and they know they can't go back and get Hugh Freeze. So what's the closest thing they feel like they can get to Hugh Freeze? It's Lane Kiffin. And then with Matt Luke going to Georgia, Matt Luke is a great offensive line coach. He played offensive line in the SEC. Some guys are just not built for being a head coach. It's a lot more to it. At the same time, when you look at Matt Luke, I agree with you, Taylor. The Egg Bowl did it. It showed a lot of undiscipline with the football team. Um, you know, not just that game, but kind of throughout the year. And uh, the old Miss University want to kind of get a tight grip and a hold on things. And a lot of times when the things are undisciplined, that means there's not a lot of respect for your head coach. You know, there are, it's either two things. There's not a lot of respect for your head coach as a player or the coach try to be too much of a player's coach and let them get away with too much to a point it gets too far. Agreed. Yeah, you know, it gets too far away, you can't pull it back.
2: Like, can you ever uh, imagine seeing an Alabama player do that?
3: Oh, no, they won't play. They won't play again.
2: I totally agree with you. I think that was a telltale sign of the leniency that he was allowing in that program. And that had to change.
3: Oh, yeah. And then you look across the other SEC, South Carolina, they go get Mike Bobo. The reason they go get Mike Bobo, Mike Bobo played in the SEC, he coached at Georgia for a little bit. Uh, he's a guy that's a seasoned guy. You know, he tried it out of a head coach. It didn't work, but he was a really good offensive coordinator. So they go get him. Why? Because Mike Bobo can help recruit some of the big-time players in the state of Georgia, which South Carolina has not been getting a lot of lately. So they need a guy that can go in there in the heart of Atlanta and steal some players. And then you look at – and you think about Pittman going to Arkansas. Arkansas want to get back to the hog days. They know they're not a team that can spread it around and throw the football around. They are a team that wants to get three clouds in the dust. Like, they want to get back to Darren fatten days where they get back and run the football and, and, for, and tally days and line up behind those big guys and, and go to work.
2: That won't happen overnight, though.
3: It's not going to happen over there. It's going to take them about two, three years to get those get those recruits. So, but that's the reason they went and got him. Like I said, the Missouri hire with Kitt, the guy from Appalachian State, that was a popular hire because – they need energy in Missouri, and he's on the right side of the SEC. If he's ever going to make a change or difference, you better be coming in on the east than coming in on the west side. So, you know, and his time to take a, a big job was now. You got to take it while you're hot. So the SEC had a lot of movement this year. I think going to make it better for the SEC, and hopefully it gets back to where all teams are competing at a high level and, uh, and everything because we had the top-tier teams, but the bottom tier has really fallen off, and they got to pick it up.
2: I agree with you completely. It'll be interesting to see. You always have high hopes when you shake things up. I mean, look, I also do work for the Carolina Panthers, and they just fired their head coach, Ron Rivera, right. and that next week get pummeled by the Atlanta Falcons. Right. So it's it's not a magic potion. It doesn't fix everything automatically. These coaches, they need time. They need resources. But you at least hope to see signs of progress early. So – I think all of these programs will be looking for that. I am here for all of these programs improving. I don't think monotony is good for any of us. Like, I'm so happy LSU has shaken things up this year. Florida really challenged the East this year. Like, we need more programs in the conference to emerge during season so things aren't as redundant. Like, I'm hopeful we start to see that with these coaching moves. So wish them all the best in their new endeavors. Well, I think that's enough rambling for us we are going to get former Auburn wide receiver Courtney Taylor in here. Another Auburn great, super excited to catch up with him. So let's bring Courtney in now. Okay, everybody, the moment we know you've been waiting for. We are so excited to be joined by former Auburn wide receiver Courtney Taylor. Now listen, I need to start recording before the episode officially starts because the banter between Jason and our guests gets ridiculous. But Courtney, we are both so excited to have you with us today.
0: Thank you guys for having me. Thank you guys very much.
3: Courtney Taylor. Courtney Taylor, everybody in the building. Uh, oh how-
0: goodness. At
3: Auburn. Hey, Courtney's coaching right now. So we're not going to take all your time, Courtney, because we know your precious time with the kids is is much needed because you probably got to go over everything twice because, you know, you're trying to teach them correctly. But uh, if there anything, like I say this though, Courtney, if they anything, they got your attitude, your mindset about the game of football, they're going to be successful.
0: They're in the right hands. I say that.
2: Aww.
0: I appreciate it. I appreciate that, Jason. I appreciate it, man. Oh,
2: see now, now they play nice now that we're recording.
0: All right, that's awesome. Now we're live now.
2: (laughs) Now, Courtney, at the beginning of the show, Jason and I were complaining about the cold. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's in Atlanta. You are in Seattle, so we need to shut up complaining about the cold, man. How is it living up there?
0: Well, it's cold. It's wet. (laughs) I've just been. It's cold. It's wet a lot. So I do a lot of coaching and a lot of training outside, and and to be honest, oh. you, you never really get used to it. You know, I'm a I'm a Southern man, Alabama born and raised,
2: yeah.
0: and I mean I, I don't miss I don't miss the summertime. You know, the humidity I don't miss <laughs> that all too much. But you know, um, uh, being at what I think it's what like 45 degrees here today and it's wet. I mean, you just kind of get used to it, and you just keep you keep rocking and rolling
2: forgotten. Oh man, well Courtney, we know the kind of impact that you had during your playing time at Auburn and I always love to ask our guests because I think that, you know, Auburn fans love to hear it from your perspective, you know, like we we all had our perception of what your career was like and all you experienced, but tell me a little bit about it from your perspective, just what your time was like playing at Auburn and and kind of what memories you've taken with you throughout.
0: Oh man. Well, like I say, the memories that that you know you you make there as a young man and and the friends and you know uh, even just interacting with the fans, uh, those are some things that like I say you take with you no matter what. And and my time at Auburn, like I say, I mean I had a you know I, I I'm a very I wouldn't say I'm humble and modest because you know J- Jason would probably say something else, but. <laughs> So, hey man, I, I You are who you are. I, 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 I'm waiting for you to say something. I know you're going to say something in a minute. But anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's it's just, you know, I had so many great memories there. I had so many great times, so many big moments, so many big games, but none of it matter without your teammates, without the people like Jason, without the yeah. people like uh, Devin Roman should do, Ben Obamon, who still lives in Seattle, who I still, you know, we still catch up from time to time as much as we can, but you know, to me, that's 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 the best part about you know the memories that you share at your respective university. But at my university, like I say, it's like a brotherhood forever. And and I can't and you know, I can't say enough, you know, how much you know I miss that and and how much I think about it so much. And I try to relay it into the coaching that I do now with the kids in the Northwest.
3: Oh yeah, I'm talking. That's that's good stuff, man. Because like I say, kids respect you when they see your pedigree. And, um, you know, like you have a huge pedigree. You played for the Seahawks for years and everything. So, Gordon, you I don't know how much you had opportunity to see, see Auburn this year. if like you're on the West Coast. But as much as you have, a, I'm going to go with the receiving core. When you look at a guy like Seth Williams, a guy can go up and yes, hop up the ball. He's a big receiver. And yes, uh, what's the thoughts that you think when you see him and Bo's connection
0: as far as like quarterback to receiver? Oh, man, I think it's a, it's a thing of beauty. And, and just to think that, you know, Bo is, you know, in his true freshman year, he's only going to get better. Like, the sky's the limit for him. But to have a combination like that because, uh you know, what Seth is – what is Seth, a sophomore, junior?
3: Yeah, Seth's coming back next year. Yeah, I mean, he's a sophomore.
0: Yeah, I want to say he's a sophomore, yeah. So, you know, uh, to have the chemistry that they had early on in, in their careers, I mean, it, it, it's, something, it's something beautiful to see. Uh, especially from a you know a quarterback to receiver, um, I remember the um, the tall lanky quarterback I used to have. And um, sure, who was that? He, that sound
3: must <laughs> be muscular, boy. Ooh, woo. <laughs> hey, hey, yeah. You know, hey,
0: I don't know if he remembered that I used to always say to him about how he couldn't overthrow me. You remember I used to say that? <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, you and, say and that. That's
0: when, that. That's when I used to think I was fast. But the thing was, it's like how. You know, you learn how the game is so mental. I, there's no way I could outrun your arm. Like, no way. Like, when I think about it, that, like there is no way. But I believe that. And that's what you're starting to see between Nick and, and uh, between Seth. You see the belief, the confidence that Nick's have, have with uh, Seth right out the gate, right there against Oregon. I mean, that throw he made at the end of the game, when I say I pretty much almost jumped through my TV, I almost knocked my TV off the wall. And my kids and wife was just like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, you guys don't understand that connection. And when I saw that from, like you said, right out the gate from game one, and to watch how they matured throughout the year, I mean, hey, I I can't wait to see what they do next year.
2: You're talking to the president of the Seth Williams (laughs) fan club here. I have been singing his praises
0: all season. I think that kid is stellar. Yes, he's special. He is special. When I say he's special, he's special. And the funny thing is, um, Devin and went to do, went to the spring game this past year. And, you know, I, like I said, I keep in touch with all my guys, and we're just always talking about things. And, I, you know, I always ask them, how's the spring game? How are guys looking? And the first name that uh, he popped out to me, he said, hey, uh, this kid named Seth Williams. That's, that's exactly – he said, this kid named Seth Williams, he's going to have a huge year. He's like, he's good. He's like, he do a great job tracking the ball in the air, and he was like, he goes up and attacks the ball. Yep. And uh, you know, and and like I say, it's like you know getting that getting that um confirmation from a from a player like Devin with his pedigree. I already kind of had the feeling of the year he was gonna have, but but to see it in person, to see him in work, like I say, man, it, uh, I think he is an absolute beast.
2: I agree with you. I think he's the real deal. And and what a good compliment yeah. to to be catching the eyes of of former Auburn greats. That's awesome. Um, another great receiver of Auburn's pass was Ryan Davis and he actually passed your record for career receptions last year and I remember you sent a video I actually worked the Auburn game I was the reporter the week after he broke the record and I asked him about that video that you made congratulating him on the record and and all of that and Man, he was so touched by that. I got to tell you, he and his entire family were so appreciative that you did that. What is that like for you to, well, first of all, to, to hold records like that and to continue to, to have your name spoken about at, at Auburn like that? And, and what was it like to kind of pass the baton to a guy like Ryan?
0: Well, like I said, just being honest, it's, it's it's humbling. You know, it's very humble, you know, uh, especially over the years. And you see how the offense uh, in the football game has evolved. Yeah. It's evolved into more passing games. So, you know, guys get uh, more opportunities. Uh, because I always tell people, I was like, I remember when we would throw the ball. We threw the ball 20 times a game. We was excited. You can tell the truth. <laughs> right. we was so excited. I mean, they right. throw the ball 30, 40 times. All right. I mean, man, I mean, you must, as a receiver, you would love to play the game today. Not saying that we didn't love it back then because, you know, back then we was more concerned about who we going to get a pancake block on from a receiver standpoint. <laughs> right. Like that was kind of more our concern. And of course we wanted to make big plays, but, but, but like you say, um, you know, it, it's a very humbling experience, you know, to, to hold a record, any kind of work of any kind, very humbling because so many great players have came through there, but, when I saw, uh, like I said, I, I started watching Ron Davis as a very young player. And when I say uh, I was impressed with him from day one, um, I thought he was a really shifty guy, had really good hands. And, you know, he made the offense go for, for a number of years there, especially yeah. with um, with all the fly motioning and, and all and all the spread offense and stuff. Like, he was a player that really fitted that system. So, I w- it was really fun to watch him play. But when he got close to breaking that record um, – uh, Kurt Sampson reached out to me uh, weeks beforehand and he's like, Hey, you know, he's probably going to break this record at some point. He's like, would you mind? And I told him, I said, I would love to, I would love to, uh, you know, send him my congratulations because I know that's not an easy seat yeah. and people, you know, you know, people think, you know, you just go out there and catch a ball and that's simple and easy, but it's a different thing when you're on a big stage and you're playing in front of 90 plus thousand people, uh, you know, the pressure is higher. States are higher. People are dependent on you. So for someone to to go into that mindset and to have the career that he had, I was just happy for him. And I was, like I said, I was, I was, I was humbled to even have the opportunity to even speak to him.
2: So do you think Seth Williams is going to break his?
0: Mm. He's going to break. Well, well, I don't know. Seth's going to be here after next year, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: that's a good. That's I'll a good point. Go,
0: he's that talent. Cali- he's that caliber of a receiver. He I is good. It. he's good. If, if he continue to get better, keep working his craft, keep working his game. And and like I say, you know, seeing what I saw this year and if he goes and work even harder, next year, I mean, my goodness, my goodness. I I just I just feel he's gonna be You know, he's going to be in that Belitnikoff award watch list conversation, and he's going to be one of the nation's best.
3: Well, Corey, before we let you go, Taylor always asks a great question about the guys and why they chose Auburn uh, coming out of high school and uh, what does Auburn mean to them. And when we talk family, like, how does it really pour into that family atmosphere where it's different when you see other universities and colleges? And uh, like I say, you was an outstanding player, outstanding person. Uh, Everyone can hear your character and your voice. You know, we used to call you Chris Tucker lookalike when we was playing. When we was there, but uh, well, they
0: used to stay on my head.
3: <laughs> yeah, but she does a great job of uh getting these guys to to answer this question and everything. And so we just want to see, yeah. like, why did you choose Auburn? What did Auburn do for you while you was there? And uh, and where are you at right now? And how living in Seattle, do you really see a lot of Auburn people and the fan base out that way?
0: Yeah, well, like I say, um. You know, I chose Auburn because, once again, you know, I, I fell in love with the atmosphere. I fell in love with the people that I was around. Um, you know, when, when we throw the word family out there, that's really what it is. It's a family. Like, I can yeah. pick up the phone and call J. Cam. I can pick up the phone and call Ben Overman, Devin Aroma, Shadu, Anthony Mix. I can call, I mean, pretty much anybody I've ever played with there because we shared so many battles so many yachts times, I call it Kevin yachts times moments to where you thought football wasn't for you, mm-hmm. like all those memories and all those things, you know, kind of equip, you know, just shows me that that was the reason I went to Auburn. That was the love, was the, you know, the love affair of having a family, uh, the, the point of having people there that's always going to have your best interest, whether it's for football or whether it's for life. Um, I remember I left Auburn without a college degree. I left Auburn without a college degree, and I remember maybe like three, four years after that, uh, uh, Troy Smith reaching out to me, saying, hey, hey, man, get this degree did, da-da-da-da. Like, he still was on my, he's my, uh, you know, academic advisor there, but he still was on me and pushing me to be better, and then next thing I know, I get my degree, and they work it out to where I get my degree from Auburn University by taking a class out. I took two classes out here. at um, uh, UW, at the University of Washington out here, and I just thought the world of that because I was like, those guys didn't have, I mean, did did not have to say one word to me after I left Auburn. Not one word. But they was concerned about my education. They was concerned about me being successful as a man, and that's what a family aspect come in there. And so it just, you know, once again, like I will always say I'm an Auburn man through and through, um, I don't care if, if if we're the biggest underdogs or the over under uh, or the over you know uh, overdogs of any matchup. I'm going Auburn all the way, and it, it's kind of crazy being out here in the Northwest because I'm in Pac-12 country. And you know, <laughs> you know how it goes. All my friends and stuff out here, you know, it's like, oh, that's that SEC mentality. Y'all think y'all better. It's like, no, no, we are better, and Auburn is better, and I leave it at that.
2: You dang right, man. You just got me
0: hyped up on this <laughs> thing. I, I get on their heads out here. i will be on their heads. I'm like, nah, nah, that's the SEC. SEC all day. Listen, <laughs> you preach into the choir over
2: here. We we are in agreement on that one. Well, Courtney, the last yeah. one that I have for you, Jason and I were talking about it earlier this episode, just kind of the the mental warfare aspect of bowl games now ever since the playoff has been introduced you, you know it's it's sometimes challenging for these guys to to get as hype for the bowl games it's it's almost taken yeah. away the prestige for some of them as someone yeah. who you know played at auburn and understands what what that culture is and what that family means and you've you've gone on and and achieved a lot and you you said earlier you look back on it fondly you miss it you you know how important those moments are what advice Correct. would you give current players that maybe view these situations as as lesser than or they're disappointed by them? What motivation you know, would you give them to help them understand how special these moments are?
0: Well, I, I just, once again, I try to be as honest as I can and just keep it plain and simple. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy those moments. Those are moments you would never get back. And, you know, you don't know how far your football career is going to go you don't know if you're going to go play at the next level. You don't know if you're going to be a one year guy. You you just don't you just don't know. So, in my eyes and in my head, it's just always been appreciative of the game, being very blessed and grateful that, you know, uh, God giving you opportunity to to do something and experience those things. So, like I said, I'll just keep it simple. Enjoy the moment because football is not forever.
2: Well, that is a perfect note to end it on. Courtney Taylor, thank you so much for joining us today. Congratulations on everything that you've accomplished.
0: Thank you guys very much. And like I look forward to getting down to the plains and seeing everyone soon.
2: All right, everybody. Well, that does it for us today on Tiger Talk. Thank you for listening to us each and every week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the Auburn Tigers action. Jason and I love breaking all this down for you. So everyone have a great week until we speak again. And as always, War Eagle.
1: War Eagle. Hiring is challenging and it used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. Zip Recruiter. In fact, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you cannot miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, listeners here can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com begin. That's ZipRecruiter.com B-E-G-I-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash begin. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.